I don't know who doesn't want to be filled. He says the reason why I'm releasing my spirit to strengthen your inner man is so that you are fortified. He said the reason is so that you know uh, you are rooted and grounded in love. And the result is that you are able to comprehend. You are able to, to, to measure, to judge. You are able to, you know, uh, uh, experience the length, the depth, the width. You are able by the Spirit to do certain things. So you don't do those things in the flesh. You, you, you don't make New Year resolutions in the flesh. It will wear you out. You become weary. But when you allow the Spirit of God help you, strengthen your inner man. And how do you get strengthened in your inner man? You are rooted in love. Rooted and grounded in love. He says the result is what? He says you will be able to comprehend with all the saints. That is at every angle, every level, at every sphere of influence, you can comprehend with all the saints, in all their glory, and with various expressions of God, you can comprehend. You can comprehend. You understand what comprehension means? That you're able to look at the holistic uh, uh, angle of things. You're not a one-sided believer. You are balanced. You are well-rounded. You are wholesome. Glory to God. And that is what, you know, the vision of babes you define. Our mission, you know, is, is, is to ensure that we present to a, gener a generation of women who are whole, who are wholesome, balanced, you know, all their life, emotional life, physical life, financial life, psychological, mental life, every part of your life is wholesome. You're able to comprehend with all the saints. You know, whatever angle, is it the length, is it the breadth, is it the depth? And you know what that gives room to? Oh, you are now able to accommodate the fullness of God. Because the fullness of God is not expressed only in speaking in tongues. The fullness of God is not expressed only when you are in church. The fullness of God is expressed in every sphere of your life. That's what it means by the fullness the richness of God is expressed, is given latitude and expression. So you are at work, you are exhibiting the fullness of God. You are in school, you are exhibiting the fullness of God. You are in church, you are not a different person in church and a different person at home and a different persona, you know, uh, uh, at work. When you are not bipolar, no. You exhibit the fullness of God in your finances, in your marriage, with raising your children. You have a balanced life. That's what God said we can have access to. But it starts with uh, being strengthened in your inner man by the Spirit. And that is just the summary of the growth process of sonship. Hallelujah. So yesterday we had such an amazing time. We were talking about... Abiding, you know, we started with follow me, you know, and now we're talking about, we talked about abiding yesterday, abiding in him and we looked at John 15, you know, and we looked at that is how you bear much fruit, 
That is how you bear much fruit. It is in the abiding that you are able to bear fruit. It is not in your, you know, uh, here and there. And then we looked at it that in abiding, you'll be pruned at certain points in time. And, and I said that today we're going to look at Jesus, who is our prototype example. You know, he was pruned. Oh, he was pruned by the Father. And I'm going to show that to you. Hebrews chapter 5. He was pruned by the Father. So, see, Jesus, I've said it before, came to show us how to be a son. Jesus is our perfect example. Not Joseph, not David, not Moses, not Esther. They are amazing examples. Not even your pastor. Not even, you know, the, the great men and women who have done awesome things. Our perfect example is Christ. And that's why even though these people had come ahead of him, the prophets, the men of God, the kings, they had come and they'd given us, you know, a, a different, uh, they've given us snapshots of, of, of what it means to be a son of God, what it means to, to, to carry God on your inside. They had given us snippets and snapshots, but Jesus came to give us the fullness Hallelujah. So he is our perfect example. He's our perfect example. And the Bible talks about pruning. We looked at pruning yesterday. And I said one of the things that a lot of believers were not told at the point of salvation is that when you come on this journey, you are going to have to submit yourself to the Father's training. And that training would require certain cutting off, certain pulling back. What did God say to Abraham when he was going to enter into a covenant with him? He said he should circumcise all the men under his jurisdiction. All the men that you know were, 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 were associated with him. He had to circumcise Ishmael. Ishmael was a boy. And he himself had to circumcise himself. Circumcision literally is the pulling back of the flesh. And God said, if you're going to come into a covenant with me, Abraham, you're going to have to circumcise yourself. You're going to have to pull back. And that's the thing. You're coming into a covenant relationship with God. You're going to have to pull back. God is going to pull you back. Oh, God is going to slow you down at times. Not because he just feels like slowing you down. See, when we say use me, God use me, God use me. It's a powerful prayer. But I tell you, when God now begins to use us, <laughs> we will not be the one to say, really God, is this how you use people? The Bible talks about Joseph. I need to read that as well. I'm still coming to this Hebrews. Just follow me. You know that's how it happens most times. <laughs> that's what happens. Like I said, I'm like the wind. You start off from a, from a particular point and then before you know, the Spirit of God takes you on another you know, tangent. So just follow me. I believe that you're being blessed. Let's look at Psalm. I didn't plan to say all of this, but yeah. Let's look at Psalm 105. Powerful, powerful Psalm. Psalm 105. What does this say? It talks about the faithfulness of God. It talks about the children of Israel, how God led them, you know, and all of that. Now look at what it says. 
in verse 16. It says, moreover, he called for a famine in the land. Who called for the famine? God, not the devil. He, God, destroyed all the provisions of bread. So God created a situation. (laughs) Glory to God. You know, some chaotic situations we've found ourselves in in Nigeria is because some sons are coming. The answer to those problems. And I believe some of them are listening to me. God would allow certain things to happen. Chaotic situation. And then he will send the son. The Bible says God called for a famine. He destroyed all the provision of bread. And then verse 17. He sent a man before them. (laughs) Joseph who was sold as a slave. Come on. Let's be honest guys. Talk to me. When someone tells you God is sending someone to you. Or let me not even go to the level of God yet. Hmm? Imagine the president of the country, wherever you are. If you're in the UK, the queen. If you're in the US, the president. If you're in Nigeria, the president. Imagine they said, oh, Pimo, I'm sending someone to you. I'm sending someone to you. In my mind, I'm already thinking about the person that is coming. Of course, the person is coming in the capacity as the son. Or maybe he says, I'm sending someone, I'm sending a son. But the person is coming in the capacity of the president, of the person that is sending the person. Did you understand my English? Yes. So in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, wow, this person coming. In fact, I'm already preparing himself because the person is coming in his capacity. So I know the person is not going to trek down. I'm thinking in my head, the person will probably come with a Rolls Royce, you know, or something. The person is coming with, you know, glad tidings. The person is going to come looking all fresh and fresh and all of that. You never really think that someone of that magnitude is sending someone and the person the person is sending is looking like a... The Bible says he sent a man before them. But the mode, <laughs> the mode of the sending is to become a slave. Hey, who does that? Only God. Did you guys read that? Psalm 105, I'm reading verse 16 and 17. He sent a man before them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. (laughs) He was laid in iron, a saint man. (laughs) Ha ha, God, you must be joking. (laughs) Is this how you used to send somebody? (laughs) He was hurt. His feet was hurt with fetters. Until the time that his word came to pass. Glory to God. Oh, Kandaba Shataba. The word of the Lord tested him. When you are sent, you are on you are going for an exam new because you are going to be tested. 
But the word will try you. The reason the word will try you is so that you are resolute in your belief. Oh, I don't know if someone got that. Did someone get that? Ah, a scripture just came into my heart now. I hope I find it. It says the word of the Lord tried him, tested him. And when the word shows up, nothing can stop that person that is sent to the person. Remember who sent the person. Even though the mode of his arrival didn't look attractive. Even though his mode of uh, showing up didn't really look like someone that was sent. The Bible says when the word tested and tried him, the king sent and released him. The rulers of the people let him go free. They made him lord of his house. Hey, He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions. To bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. Come on, guys. That's just to encourage someone. The mode of being sent might not be attractive. Same thing with Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, showed up on the earth through a union of a young Jewish girl and a carpenter. Like seriously, God, you did not see the Adenugas of that day or the, uh, who are the top, top people now that you can send him through. You sent him through a young virgin named Mary and a carpenter who were doing lovey-dovey about to marry. You now intercepted their lovey-dovey and put your assignments inside. <laughs> I believe God is saying that to somebody. You are still doing lovey-dovey with that boy that you want to get married to, but man, you don't realize that that your union is an assignment. God is just going to Hijack it. <laughs> He's going to hijack it. Glory to God. That's what he did for Mary and Joseph. He just hijacked them. See, let me tell you. He just hijacked their, 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 their love relationship. Will you allow God hijack your love relationship so that he can birth Christ through you? Glory to God. So he can birth Christ through your union. Two people from a humble background. That was the mode Christ came into the earth. Now let me shock you the more. Some of you might have heard me say this before. When it was time for him to be delivered. Hospitals were on strike. <laughs> what are the odds? There was no room in the inn. Oh, wow. God. I mean, what would it cost God to vacate everyone? I mean, seriously. What on earth would it cost God to vacate, to, to just make sure somebody would check out just before Mary went into labor? The Bible says there was no room in the inn. And she had our Lord Jesus Christ, God in flesh, 
in a manger. Sheep was bleating. And the goats were doing meh. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, Lord. You are awesome. I really pray that we come to know God at this level. Not, not just the superficial, materialistic idea of God. God is way deeper than that. Way deeper than that. What of God himself? In Genesis 1, when he was going to show up as God, he hadn't even created anything new. Except that he had created the heavens and the earth. And yet the Bible says the earth was without form and it was void. God showed up in the midst of chaos. Who does that? See, that is to tell you that God identifies with us. Mostly in our lowest moments. Because he... He himself showed up in Genesis in the midst of chaos. The Bible says the earth that he had created was without form. It was void and there was gross darkness. Something he had created. And we know there's absolutely nothing God creates that is not good. The Bible tells me Genesis 1.1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But something happened between verse 1 and verse 2. Earth became void. And there was gross darkness. And God didn't panic. And God didn't say, hey, see my creation. He showed up in the midst of chaos. And said, let there be light. That's the God I serve. That's the God that I carry his DNA. Hey, glory to God. Glory to God. Is someone feeling me? Someone getting me here today? Hallelujah. So Jesus showed up in the midst of chaos. He showed up. There was no room in the inn. He showed up. His parents had to carry him out secretly to Egypt. Couldn't God protect his son? And make sure that nothing comes near him. But the angel came and said, carry this boy, Joseph. And go and do what? Go to Egypt until I tell you to come back. They are seeking his life. Oh Lord, open our eyes. Help us see how you see. Help us understand the thoughts and the dealings of your heart. In the name of Jesus. And so let's look at this Hebrews chapter 5. The Son of God. The Son of God Himself. Let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 5. We're talking about pruning. Because like I said, we've been given a gospel that has excluded being pruned. I excluded the message, the balanced message where you need to understand that as a son, you are going to go through uh, discipline. Some things God would deliberately withhold it from you. I don't think Joseph and Mary, it wasn't a case of that they didn't have money to pay for the inn. The Bible says there was no space. There was no room. I'm sure they had money. They were not broke. Yet, 
God said manger. But you know the beautiful thing about that story? Right there <laughs> in the manger. The Bible tells me that the wise shepherds at night while worshipping saw the star. And they came and worshipped him. They came and they worshipped him. They located him. The star took them to where he was. And they came and they worshipped him. So it doesn't matter where you were born. Glory to God. Whoever needs to locate you will locate you. Same thing with Joseph. Was wearing coat of many colors. And all of a sudden he became a sent man. He was sold as a slave. But that was his part. That was God's dealing. God was beginning a journey of sonship with him. God was raising him and taking him through process. He had to go to Egypt. Because Joseph would not of his own wake up one morning and say, Dad, I'm going to Egypt. No. So God had to create, orchestrate some situation to ensure that Joseph found himself in Egypt. And there was nothing that was powerful enough to kill Joseph in Egypt or to hinder Joseph, no matter the hardship that came against him. They were all working together for his good. Hallelujah. That's what my Bible tells me. That all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When you are called according to his purpose, it doesn't matter what might seem like be working against you. It is for you. It's never against you. Never against you. Because God is not the mate of the devil. God and the devil, they are not playing hide and seek. It's not like God and the devil is in a, in a wrestling, uh, uh, what do they call that thing, ring. And then God is giving him look, bah, and he is giving his own, bah. No, ah, at God's level, no. He doesn't do that. If you read your Bible well, God has never fought the devil. He will never fight him. In the, at the end of the book, at the beginning of the book, <laughs> that's even the funny thing yes he cursed the, 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 the devil he said you would go on your belly all through your life and you will eat dust he never cursed man he said to man cursed is the ground he didn't curse man but you know the funny thing he chased man and the woman out of the garden. Did we see him say anything to the serpent? Did he chase the serpent from the garden? Did we see him say, serpent, oh yeah, you to carry yourself and leave this garden? <laughs> what of when Job came to God? When the sons of God, sorry, came to God. And the Bible says, and the devil came with them. Have you read that part in Job? And God did not talk to the sons of God. Now face the devil. It was God himself that was talking to him and said, hey, Have you considered my servant Job? Did you guys see that part in the Bible? The Bible says the sons of God came to God. And the devil, Satan, came with them. As what? I don't know. But he shall came. And God did not say, Hey, Satan, how dare you? You show up in my vicinity. Michael, where are you? Gabriel, where are you? Am I the only one doing drama here this evening? Are you guys feeling me at all? <laughs> and he just started engaging him. So then he went to put Job inside, inside, inside one chance. 
poor Job was in his house, had no idea what the conversation God was having. Sometimes you have no idea the conversation God is having concerning your case. But one thing we know is that whatever conversation God is having concerning you will always end in praise. He would always put the devil in, sh- in check. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He would always put the devil in check. And that was exactly what he did. That was exactly what he did to the devil. He put him in check. Oh, he put him in check. The devil is nothing with God. One over one out of one over one. Okay, let's fight. Round one, round two. No, he's not gone. At the end of the book, he's an angel that will cast him into the bottomless pit. Not God. Not God. And so, no matter what it is that God is doing with you, even when the devil tries, he can only be a copycat. He is never an original. God is millions of steps ahead of the devil. Millions. So when he brings situations before you and it looks like, ah, ah, trust God, trust God, trust God. He has answers. He knows where, what he's doing and he knows where he's taking you to. He never said that you will not have trials. He never said you will not have issues. He just said, I will be with you. I will guide you through it. I will hold your hand through it. I will show you ways to overcome it. I will show you ways to navigate your way out of it. I will show you ways to get above it. That's what he said. God is not raising sons that are uh, uh, lily-livered. He's not raising sons that are, you know, that are weaklings. No, he's raising sons who know their worth as salt, who know what it means to be the light, who knows what it means to carry the DNA of God. Jesus came to show us that part. I'm going to read this Hebrews 5. I know time is gone, but I'm going to read this Hebrews 5. I can't see our comments, but I believe that you guys are commenting. I, I believe it's just the network acting up again, but it's fine. It's fine. Hebrews chapter 5. It says from verse 5. So also, Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. But it was he who said, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And then verse 7, he says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication, that's Jesus Christ, that's the Son of God. One would have thought because he's the Son of God, why should he be praying? He shouldn't pray now. Why is the Son of God praying? He has direct access to God. Why is he praying? No, the Bible says, In the days of his flesh, he offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries to him who was able to save him. And you see the part the Bible says. And he was heard because of his godly fear. Not just because he was carrying the 
um, title of I'm the son of God. No, his son of God was clothed, cloaked with, with, with fear, godly fear. Godly fear is a product of process. You, God will take you through process. You will fear him. Not fear as in negatively. No, but you will reverence him. You acknowledge him as your source and as your totality. He says he was here because of his godly fear. Even though he was a son. Can you see that? Yet he learned oh, obedience by the things which he suffered. Verse 9 says, and having been perfected. Can you guys see the pathway? Jesus is a perfect example. He's a perfect example. He says, though he was a son, no doubt about that. He learned obedience. And we saw that from age 12. He went home and he submitted himself to his parents. Even though his body and flesh wanted to be in Jerusalem. And that submission paved way for his future. Can we see that? He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And being made perfect. And having been perfected. Jesus, oh, Jesus was being perfected. I thought he was born perfect from the womb. As he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit from the womb now. The Bible says he learned obedience. Oh, Father, I am submitting myself to learning. I am a son who learns. I'm not a son who, 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 who doesn't learn. I'm not a son who is full of himself. I'm a son subject to learning. I'm a son committed to learning and to growth. I do not think too highly of myself. No. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Ah, if Jesus can be perfected and having been perfected, hey, he became the author. See, when you go through this process, you become the author of something. You begin to create pathways in the spirit for God. Hallelujah. You begin to break, create breakthroughs. I mean, you will begin, you will begin, uh, um, you begin um, exploits in God that even none of your generation or your lineage has ever done before. Bible says he became. How, how did he become? Just because he was born of the Holy Spirit and, and, and Mary conceived him. Was that all? No. Firstly, he learned obedience. And in learning obedience, he grew. Even though he was a son. He proved to the father that I'm a responsible son. I will manage this inheritance. I will not mismanage the assignment you've given to me. That's Jesus. And the Bible says, and having been perfected, he became the author, hallelujah, of eternal salvation to all who obey him. He had to prove himself to the Father. So who are you? Who am I that we will not prove ourselves? If Jesus had to prove himself, who are you? Who am I? Not to prove myself. Not to learn obedience. That part is where we don't like. Through the things that we suffer. Now when I say suffer, I'm not talking about, you know, anything, you know, terrible or something. I'm just saying that even the, the smallest example, God will take you through some things. He will deprive you of some things. 
at some point on your journey, he will withhold some things from you just so that you learn obedience because that's the most important thing to God, obedience. In First Kings, he says, in Samuel, sorry, he says, obedience is better than sacrifice. He said that to Saul. Samuel said it to Saul. He said, what has he asked for? He didn't ask for sacrifices. Obedience. 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 I pray the Lord will help us. And I pray in the name of Jesus that he's raising sons. You know, we will learn obedience. Sons will be responsible. You know, in the name of Jesus. Uh, sons who would appreciate that which God is doing with them. And through them. Sons who the father can be proud of. Who the father can prove. And say this one. Yes. Having been made perfect. He became the author. Having been made perfect. Have you remember the parable? Give them. Take over 10 cities. Take over 5 cities. Take over these cities. There's a lot the Father wants to do with us. But then you have to prove yourself. Irresponsible son. Jesus did. And so do you. Thank you so much for joining this evening. Even though I didn't see our comments. But I believe the network is what, you know. Uh, yeah, the comments are just coming in now. <laughs> ah, Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining this evening. Ah, love you. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow. We'll still do 9, 10 p.m. <laughs> I know I wanted to move it to 9. But it just seems like this week, we'll still do 10. The Lord will help me in the name of Jesus. I hope you guys are praying for me. Thank you. I love you. And God bless you. I see you, my sister, Anita. Thank you for joining. God bless you. Have a beautiful night rest. <laughs>